Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. Yes, sir! 810 on Wisconsin's Morning News this Tuesday morning on our way to a high, as Eric said, of 76 degrees. That is okay. 80s midweek as spring has sprung. We're not declaring winter over exactly, but... Hopefully we're out from under this. Sure feels good. Foot snowfalls and whatnot. You can take out the plow sticks now, right? Plow sticks out. (laughs) Those can go. All right, good. This morning at a North Shore Institution of Higher Learning, the uh, signature light-up signage that reads Cardinal Stritch University is only partly lit. An observation that Eric made earlier today. Five to six letters of the light-up sign burned out. (laughs) <laughs> you can Ironic, see it eh? in the TV live shots this morning. Not that it's going to damage the reputation of Stritch, which announced abruptly Monday that it is closing after nearly 86 years in education. And we've had folks texting this morning for more information on what is happening, why it's happening, what's next. So we will get you those details. But, you know, the lens I'm looking at this through, Eric, is much like you. I'm only a couple of years ahead of you. I got three teenagers, probably all of them headed to college in some form in the coming years. This and stories like it ought to be a wake-up call to the institutions of higher education in America. You're late. It's time to adapt, to change, and for God's sake, lower your sticker price. Or these small schools closing, that's only the beginning. And a heads up for parents or families or anyone considering going to school. Now you have to consider future obligations from that school if they're even going to be around. I never thought that would be a thing. I think that's a great point. I hadn't even thought of it from that perspective as we're going out now to schools. And I've got an arts kid, so yeah. the types of schools that she is looking at are these smaller liberal arts schools. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And many of them have a great and storied history. But here's 80-some years of a school, solid school here in southeast Wisconsin, that just one day you wake up, yeah, we're done. Just like that. Out. We are all devastated by this development. But after examining all options... This decision was necessary. So that's President Dan Scholes, who released a video yesterday, basically saying that, look, Stritch has suffered enrollment declines, significant enrollment declines. These numbers were shocking that you brought yeah, this morning. 2,400 were enrolled there in 2018. Which is a small school to begin with. Right. With yeah, an entire right. university that's, I don't know. Just a little bit larger than the size of our largest high schools here in Wisconsin? Three years later, it had dropped by 1,000. Only 1,400 by the fall of 2021. The fiscal realities, downward enrollment trends, the pandemic, the need for more resources, and the mounting operational and facility challenges presented a no-win situation. Yeah, no doubt. And in, in fairness to them, it snuck, on, snuck up on them quickly. To lose a 1,000 students in just a matter of a couple of years. Right. But I was looking into it. Stritch offers for these only 1,400 students more than 140 undergraduate disciplines. Wow. Like, how is that sustainable? That's like 10 kids per, quote-unquote, school now, within the university. Offered. Now, it doesn't work out all that. But do, you, do you think they're all being utilized? No. But that's the point. If it's offered... Yeah, You have to offer opportunities in that. At some point there, if they had seen this coming, could not they have pared that back, cut down on faculty, cut down on some of the other things? They offer more than a dozen sports teams. They're not NCAA. They're NAIA. But still, you know, like big league, that level athletics. Think about those kids, by the way. 
Now what? You scrambling now to find a new school to go to next year, next yeah. fall? Now, the Stritch has said that it's going to, and, and I believe them, I think they're going to try to work as hard right. as they can for people move to those graduating yeah. students. They said some summer programs will remain yes. for those students who have a couple of credits left in order to graduate. So they'll, they'll get the, that graduating class, their cap and gown, their diploma, and do what they have to do to get these folks, you know, a finish to their education. Who should their keynote speaker be for that final commencement? You go all in, <laughs> right? put all the chips on the table and get like Jerry Seinfeld or somebody, somebody, somebody who costs <laughs> a lot of money. whatever we have left here, we're going to pay 50000 or $100,000 to get that last big speaker in. Got to go out with a bang. Go out with a bang. Right. Oh, and I, then you have the students who are currently there with a year or two years or three years yeah. of coursework left. How do you help? And they said they're going to help place them. They're going to help them through the process of trying to get to another school. I'm curious if there were warning signs, if someone who's been going there for a year or two saw this coming, you know, if they were reading the tea leaves or because otherwise, could you imagine just all of a sudden the rug being pulled out from under you? And for those students who perhaps committed to the fall semester coming up, your current high schoolers now, they're graduating. And like I said, I've got a senior and we're going through all the angst and anxiety of which school is it going to be and which schools did you get into and the financial aid package and you ultimately make that decision. And all right, we've got a we've got a path now. We know Mm -hmm. we know where our son or daughter is going to be and what what they're going to pursue. And we think they're in a good place. And then, right, you used the term correctly, but Rug pulled right out from under you. So now you, now you have to consider that. When you think of all the schools, you have to consider sustainability now as well. That has to be part of the factor. It's an important question to ask when you're oh. sitting down there in the financial aid office or wherever. Like, is, well, your, is your school, is, are you healthy? Are your numbers you healthy? in four years? <laughs> right. Now, instead of you interviewing me, okay, I'm interviewing you. Well, so do you ever wonder about that? Because I have always wondered. I was always uh, very... I don't know, proud of the fact that we had so many institutions in Southeast Wisconsin. Like, think about how many we have, whether it's Concordia, Carroll, Elverno, uh, Mount Mary, MSOE, all the tech schools. And then the tech school system. And there's tons of those. Gateway and the UW extensions. Yeah, right, yeah. UW-Waukesha. Parkside. I mean, yeah, they're all over, which I always thought was Do you want to go cool. further down the lakeshore, right, uh, what is that... Um, Which way? South? South. Gateways right along the lake, right? Yeah. In Kenosha. Uh, Carthage, that's the school I was thinking of. That's another one. So, yeah, but to your point, so many, and with declining enrollment, and you had the story just yesterday, like teed this up perfectly, some two million fewer undergrads in America this year than there were just a couple of years ago. Yeah. And so you have that declining enrollment People are making different decisions. You have smaller family sizes. That's happening, of course, in America. And then people are making different decisions for a number of choices. And I think some of it's generational. And I'll make this point, and then we'll go to the break and uh, pick it up on the other side. But I think for us, for Gen Xers, I feel like we were the first generation that took on sizable debt to go to college. Sure, there, there probably were some. In our parents' generation, but you know, what was my parents tell me? My let me see. My mom went to UWM for her undergrad. My dad went to Marquette and then to UWM for his uh, masters. But what was a semester at at, at UWM that seven hundred bucks? Mm-hmm. And granted, there's inflation and things like that. But 
you know, our generation, the Gen Xers, we were the first ones who were, one, were told two, were told two things. One, if you don't go to a four-year college, you don't get a college degree, you're some sort of idiot. You're stupid or you're whatever. And we were turned that directly, but we were told that indirectly. The only way to be successful was to go to college, you have to go to college, you have to go to college, you have to go to college. And two, that college is more affordable because you get to take on mountains of debt and therefore it's quote-unquote affordable. Our generation lived through that, and we're coaching our kids through different choices. I think that's one of the things that's at play here. 819 on Wisconsin's Morning News. It's about to be at Cardinal Stritch University, out forever. The university announcing abruptly that it is closing was collapsed under its own weight, I guess, financially. From the 414 on the text line, 855-616-1620. My son enrolled there as a freshman in 2019. He was working toward a writing degree. None of his close friends went back after Stritch went back to in-person classes. The variety of classes greatly reduced. And no doubt the pandemic had a catastrophic effect on higher education, in part because of the decisions that those institutions did make. Right. Maybe they were in remote learning longer than you would have liked for your family or for your student. I think that's definitely a legitimate argument and conversation. Here's one, uh, because we were talking about, like, what if you're a student there, you're a couple of years in. Here's one from the 414. My son was in two, uh, was in two years at Holy Family in Manitowoc when it closed. Devastating, scrambling for a comparable school, lost credits because not everything transferred. I mean, that's too bad. You went there, you did the work, and now you're losing credits yeah, but you'd like to think that schools could help each other out in some way. Like, you know, how about a, right. a little bone here? But We're going to send you this one. Can you help us out? Right. This, this kid's done the work. Yeah. I think this one's interesting. 100%. I'm 41, so a little bit younger than me, a little bit closer to you, E. But there was no choice when I was in high school. The message was four-year college if you want to be anything in life. I started at UWM in 2000 and could pay per semester with a part-time job. With today's tuition, I can't see that as possible. We have two teens. We're definitely encouraging them to look at tech programs and apprenticeship programs. I'm glad society is finally seeing the value in learning the trades. And you made the point. Trades aren't for everybody. I don't want to indicate that either. And also, I think there is inherent value in a college experience. You benefit in ways outside of the pragmatic, I went and learned this, and that applies directly mm-hmm. to my job. There are life skills. There are sort of that, it's sort of that bridge between total independence and still kind of halfway between leaving the nest. Right. I, I do think that I, I am. So I I'm, think there's value in that. I'm happy to hear that the trades now has become more of an, a quote unquote acceptable path for a lot of people. Right. I think that's fantastic. But yeah, I, I do warn that not everyone can do those jobs. Like that's, everyone uses different parts of the brain. So you have strengths and weaknesses in different areas. Not everyone can be a plumber. But it, right. it, it takes a unique skill set. But I think I, I at least feel like we have graduated, if you will, from that line of I thinking agree. that, you know, like from our generation as if you don't go to college, you're going to work some menial task that's not worthy of you. And, you know, manufacturing has changed as well. Absolutely. You don't need a four-year degree to be a coder even. Take a six-month coding class. All you need is a beanbag. I'll sign you up at Milwaukee Tool or wherever. No. <laughs> not the beanbag sitters <laughs> and the ping-pong players. Oh, you got me on that one. <laughs> Aha! Aha! 
the beanbag sitters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can go like learn a valuable skill like that. Manufacturing yes, is nothing agreed. like it was. You know, I'm been talking about Sister Bay Furniture. We were out there, my wife and I, to shop for furniture. Mm-hmm. They make this stuff right there. We went and toured cool. the plant where they're making it, and it's a very nice place. It's clean, lots of light, and people aren't doing menial tasks. They're filling different orders each time. There's a lot of pride in putting that work together, and you know, the folks there are really proud of the work that they're doing. So are there just too many pathways? Are there just too many things being offered? You talked about how many, uh, what was it that you said were offered? What's the number at Cardinal Stritch? They had 140 different disciplines that were offered. 140. And 1,400 students. So, you know, maybe, again, if the handwriting's on the wall, you need to pare back and maybe maybe be more specialized. At the same time, you need to talk more about collaboration. And it's interesting that this story was in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel this week. There is conversation. There was this task force looking at uh, they have both Moraine Technical. Is it Moraine? Moraine Park Technical is, okay. their, is their tech school branch up in Washington County. And they also have UW-Milwaukee, Washington County. It used to be called like Washington County Extension right now, directly affiliated with UWM. And there was this task force that's recommending that these two educational institutions merge. Now, it's non-binding and nothing is imminent, but their recommendation was looking at enrollment. There are about 2,500 or so in the tech tech system there. UW-Milwaukee, Washington County has 271 students. The kindergarten class for West Bend right now is larger than, (laughs) just slightly larger than that. (laughs) Well, see, this idea, though, of consolidating everything, I, God, that makes me uneasy sometimes. There are times when the consolidation efforts don't always work, right? Yeah, and if you're looking for higher education to evolve quickly, there's already pushback from both of the institutions, the tech schools, tech school there, and UW-Milwaukee, Washington County, both saying, whoa, 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 whoa. One thing to be concerned about, and I think people there do great work, obviously, the educators and the college presidents and all that stuff, but all of these are bureaucracies in their own way, and bureaucracy exists first and foremost to sustain itself. So there will be immediate pushback when you talk about paring down or consolidating or things like that. I think still it comes back also to sticker price. And my generation, having actually lived through taking out all of these loans. And then, you know, I don't think our parents were misguided. They just didn't know because they didn't live through that. For me to have graduated into a career that the day I walked out, I mean, I told you my part-time job as a TV news producer in 1996 paid $6 an hour. My first (laughs) full-time job was sub 20. Yeah. I remember five and a quarter, I think was one of my first part-time jobs. Right. So $19,000 a year. And I graduated with $30,000 in debt. Like that math didn't work for years. Well, so I would have, forgive my ignorance, but does St. Norbert, what are they known for? Like, are they a school that is known for something? Like, does it have a specialty? I would say business, education, all of those things. But education, there's another one where the math doesn't work out great, at least initially. You know, if you're graduating with 30 or, well, and again, I'm talking about mid-90s numbers, but I was 30,000 was my total debt load graduating. And, you know, a lot of those people who came out in education were in the low 20s for at least their starting job. So how much does that matter? Like, I think a Drake is bigger than Cardinal Stritch, where I went in Des Moines, but it's also a farm school. It's a pharmacy school. So like a chunk... 
of the like some of my best friends are pharmacists or work in the pharmacy industry just because that's what that school is known for. So you're always going to have this contingent that always go go there for that, which can you know help rise everything. Is that an issue? Like, do we have enough? And again, my ignorance, Cardinal Stritch, is if it's known for something, does that help keep it afloat? If it has at least one school that people are going to go there, that it's really important to yes. go to here right. if you want to go in to that. Like that. Sure. I think that'll keep some of these places afloat. And in some particular businesses, it really matters where you go to school. Like, you'll pay more to go to Marquette if you want to get a law degree here in Wisconsin, right? You'll pay more to go to Marquette if you want a business degree or, you know, because you're buying into that network. All of those things important. Again, I got a music theater kid. She's looking at a school in Manhattan. It's 20 minutes from Broadway. Okay, well, if you want to do music theater, I'm seeing dollar signs. Uh, yeah, so am I. But then, in terms of value added, you're like, well, that matters. UW Stevens Point has an amazing music theater program, but can you? Is it worth more to say? But you're walking distance to Broadway, and what sort of connections sure. you're there? If that's where you want to go, right? If you want an education license, right? You want a background in education, or you want to be an accountant? Maybe that equation is a little bit different. You have some more choices open to you. Either way, I think that's just it. It's about sticker price to a degree. It's about consolidating, adapting, and changing, or, like we see, dying. 831 on Wisconsin's Morning News. This on the text line, although I went to the University of Wisconsin Stout. Very unique about the experience there at Stout. They tailor the needs that are out there in industry. Schooling elsewhere should follow suit. And another one, the UW system needs to change. You can't offer every major at every school. I think this would help save money. And you see pushback on that. What was it? UW Stevens Point wanted to drop its forestry major because it had like six students in it. And like, oh, we can't do that. We can't. Got to adapt and change or collapse and die. Those are the choices out there. And people are making different and more educated choices about secondary education. Before 9 o'clock here on Wisconsin's Morning News, I I know you're reluctant to talk of it, and I don't want to jinx you, but (laughs) I do think you're still an interesting case study. Eric, folks, is uh, still never tested positive for COVID. One of the last ones standing? Has never tested positive, because it's possible you had it and didn't know it, right? Right. I feel obligated to say it that way, right? And you're also, I I wouldn't call you a prolific tester, but you're also not a reluctant tester. Like if you, in the times where you've felt sick in the last year plus that you and I have been hanging out. Or if we had issues with someone else here. You've tested out of concern for others. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't. My my entire family's had it. <laughs> Some of them have had it twice. <laughs> Isn't that wild? <laughs> and and I, you know, I have yet to test positive for it. Why? I you don't are know. A pillar I, of health. Well, or? we so a couple of things. Like Angie went all in. So we have a couple of kids that are high risk for you know diabetes and stuff. So like, there's other issues at play yeah. there that we wanted to make sure we could provide them as much safety as possible, given the certain concerns that there had been. So we had a couple of. Um, like of those 
those big things that you plug in. Like we had one in the oh, office. Oh, the air here. purifiers. Yeah, we or have one of those like in our living okay. room that fires up. I think uh, we have one in our room too that Ange is just all in on, which is fine. And that seems to every work. little bit helps. Sure, yeah. right. Um, and uh, we do have separate. You know, I I can sleep in the basement if I ever had to. So like if when, need be. Yes. Yeah. So the entire family got it or early. If a, or if so assigned. <laughs> that is <laughs> because irrelevant. something you did. <laughs> no one has told me to do that. Uh, but like when the entire family got it, like in December of I don't know what that was, twenty one mm-hmm. or something like that. I just lived in the basement <laughs> and avoided them. Just and, hit out. Yeah, and it worked out. Now, if that were to happen now, I don't know if I would live in the basement. I think we'd probably just, you know, see what happens. Um, but back then, you know, you just stayed away from it. And I discovered that I am Superman. You're in a smaller and smaller <laughs> club. Cause we talked with Lori Nickel from the Milwaukee journal Sentinel on Tuesday mornings. And Lori first had it now just a couple of weeks ago. She shared that with us, but I mean, so Lori covered the COVID Olympics in China where, you know, like the chances of you getting it were you know, high or whatever. I guess you could say they were higher because you were doing international travel or maybe they were lower because of the strict quarantine or whatever, but she's been around sports. She's done travel. How many times stuff. did she say? 150 plus times <laughs> that she's been tested in part because of her job, right? To cover the NBA or to cover this sport yeah. or that thing. You had to get tested. The Olympics, they were testing daily. I have to appreciate the fact that the Bucks are hypersensitive sensitive about it, telling her like, hey, we want you to talk to our doctor first before you come back. Yeah. They don't want anything... Any issues as they try to do this championship run here? See, and I think maybe just <laughs> the fact that you bought your COVID tests at 35th and Capital from that guy. <laughs> who, right? <laughs> hey, listen, well, guaranteed negative every time. I was supposed to swab my ear. Right. Was that strange <laughs> that I was swabbing my ear? It always came back you negative. You might be doing it wrong. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was using pregnancy tests. Was I not supposed to? Also negative. Right? So yeah. go figure. So, yeah, that's why. I mean. I just think there are fewer and fewer people out there now, and you're in, you're in a pretty unique club. Well, I remember being really nervous about it because you got it, and I was like, oh, no. Pancake got it first. Yeah, Pancake got but it. But then you we got were it. good for a while. Greg Pancake Hill is the producer of the program. I think you were the first, Greg, to get it like in our close quarters. Were you not? Yeah, because Rachel Fry was the first producer okay. to get it at the time, and then it just, I mean, we're all on the same board. Right. It just spread. But then we, see, I thought Wild it was a few fire. weeks. It was a few weeks removed from when Greg got it. Yeah, I had it in so like I thought I was good. late April, about this time last year. So I'm not, I'm not assigning my, my close contact with you to be the cause. Well, I'll blame you. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. No, it's, I, 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 you I couldn't even first. tell you. No, I couldn't even tell you where I got it. I just remember like having a cough and it was like, this is a different kind of cough. This feels right. kind of gnarly. And then th- that day I went home, I was like, oh yeah, there's the second line. So it's still out there. In fact, I saw um, Dr. Potoff from UW-Madison UW Health. Uh, he was on the other day talking about another variant that they're watching. It's overseas right now. And he's like, like no alarm or whatever. But so he said, I think he called it one to watch. And I'm, nah, I think I'm done watching any of them <laughs> anymore. I'm not saying COVID's gone or for some people it's still not serious. It's just now we get it, we get sick, and we get better. And you know, people are vaxxed and, and quad vaxxed and triple vaxxed. There is medicine. There is medicine that you can take too. Get a, a lot, lot of texts on this too. too. I guess you're 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 in good company. My wife tested positive last year. She's in healthcare. They test frequently. I have yet to get it or have shown no signs. Never tested positive either. My husband twice slept next to him and he was really bad. I'm taking vitamins, a lot of vitamin C, zinc, D, D. Then that's something that's that from I, Michelle. I go over the top on the D. Through the winter months, especially, I'm I'm cranking on the vitamin D. 
Yeah, that's always good for Generally, you. Wisconsinites are low on those <laughs> Especially levels. in winter, right? <laughs> right, when we're not seeing the sun sometimes. Well, I got plenty of vitamin D for you this week. Temperatures in the upper 70s and 80s through the week and a lot of sunshine. 845 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Ten minutes before 9 o'clock, I'm still stuck on this story about the public charging stations, airports, hotel lobbies, various other places that you may be into and out of. The FBI is warning against using those. We can't have nice things. Right? We can't. We just can't. Remember that whole situation? It reminds me of, it's different, but it reminds me of the whole, hey, when you go to the gas station and you slide your credit card in there at the pump. Skimming. Yeah, the right? skimming situation. <laughs> Enough now where I'm always like jimmying with it just to make sure it's not just some some, some not some other plastic thingy there. Secondary device yeah. hook up to it. Yeah. Well, now the FBI is warning people about using free charging stations in airports, hotels, or shopping centers because criminals have figured out ways to use the public USB ports. To infect your device. It's known as juice jacking. As soon as you plug in your device, you're at risk, and you'll notice changes right away. The takeaway here, bring your own cord and use a power outlet to charge your device, not a USB charging yeah, station. Yeah, so instead of sticking just the flat USB thing into the yeah. little slot or whatever they have at the airports or wherever, use your actual plug-in and use your own wire because it can get bad quickly. Soon after being plugged in, do you start to get pop-ups on your browser? Do you start to get messages sent to your phone? And those messages seem a little strange. They want you to click on links. Yeah. And then you click on a link and you run into trouble. Yeah, that's fine. I wonder, because, you know, how many bizarre texts do we all get from like, you know, the, the package deceit text, like your parcel has arrived and you click here for whatever you're like, ah, yeah. eh. right. Or like, you, you wonder like, how the hell did anybody even generate this number? Right. Yeah. And, and enough where like I'm I'm super skeptical of even just like everyday friends now. Like Mercure Facebook friended me the other day. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I ain't pressing mm-hmm. that. I thought right. we were already Facebook <laughs> friends. Sorry, right. you're gone. Like bounced it. I don't I'm not gonna hit yes to that one. I thought we were already friends on Facebook. And we're not, and I wouldn't still, because I don't want to be his friend. No, that's not true. But if that's weird. That does happen from yeah, time to time. I, I and guess, you've seen that, where people have gotten hacked, and then like the new person is friending you. And I'll, I've shown you some of the DMs I get, like random DMs from Facebook people, like saying weird things to me that I know isn't them talking to me. At least I hope it's not. Uh, so yeah, there's other things that can happen here. That was Teresa Payton, you heard, a cybersecurity expert. With that tampering, they could install malware or monitoring software on your device, which could allow them to see things like usernames, passwords, who you choose to bank with. That's all very problematic. Yeah, no, think. no, thank you. Right. Oh, man. So how do you solve this? How do you avoid this? How do you prevent it? Use your own charger, cable, and plug. So find a plug and you f- plug into the outlet instead of using just the the USB plug-in. Right. So if you see free charging station, plug it in, like find a way to plug it in. And maybe these free charging stations can adapt then as well. If you're going to so. do the good thing of offering that, just put a whole bunch of outlets there and let us charge it on our own because that plug-in thing. No, that's no good. That's yeah. ruined now, too. Yeah. <laughs> that go for inside the hotel room? That's I a suppose. great question, because it's on, like, could. the lamps. A lot of the new yeah. ones now have them right there, like, on the desktop there or on the end table. Stop trying to steal from me. <laughs> Boy, 
the, the world would even be cheaper. Like, think about banks, how much better interest rates you could get, or insurance companies and stuff, all the... All the money we spend to insure ourselves against people trying to steal our stuff. But think about the the industry of protection that we have. Uh, How many jobs have been created? Lots of jobs created to (laughs) to keep people from stealing your stuff. 855 on Wisconsin's Morning News. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Good afternoon. 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 Oh, is this Good round afternoon. two? Greetings. Hello. It starts Good today. Chairs, <laughs> vice chairs, and members of the Joint Finance Committee. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. All day. Another seven-hour hearing before the Good legislators Joint Committee on Finance or Joint yeah. Finance Committee, however you. Good prefer. afternoon. I'm Tim. Airing of grievances, <laughs> yes, as I like to call it. Yes, it is. Two minutes apiece at the microphone, seven hours straight. Is this the back-to-backer? They have, like, Eau Claire and the Dells? I, that like, sounds, yes, right? I remember you saying that they were scheduled together. So, yeah, that's a long couple of days. How many times do you think during one of these hearings, meetings, the lawmaker said, you know, that's a really, really good point. We're going to actually change everything we've decided to already do when See we were that? talking to our constituents and go with what you said. I, don't, I hate it when I'm that cynical, Steve, but I'm with you. I have a hard time. I, I'm, I'm glad they do it. I really am happy that they take the time to listen to everybody. But more as a penance. They're more excited about the post-hearing beers is what they're excited yeah, about. Yeah, just counting down the hours. Mm-hmm. Endless hours of... Airing of grievances. Mm-hmm. Am I be, I'm being cynical, aren't I? Yeah. But yeah. no, I'm with you there. I, I have the same. I have the same questions. Painful. But, but also, too, like in fairness to the lawmakers, you've been elected to represent the people of your district, and you should be well read and well researched on generally what their thoughts and opinions are about the matters before you. Is somebody with two minutes at a microphone going to change your mind about deeply held principles? You wouldn't think so. You wouldn't think so either. No. So now, it's an you, exercise we do. Yes. I heard you talking about the uh, the shutting down for, what is it, one year of Bratfest? Yeah, Bratfest. If, if Bratfest can't make a go in Sheboygan, what... We're doomed. So, correct me if I'm wrong, Johnsonville Sausage, Sheboygan Falls located, correct? Yeah. Prittner. Couldn't this be an opportunity? You know, with adversity comes opportunity. Somebody steps up. Yeah, maybe you don't go big. You just just kind of maintain. Well, that's the thing. Like I, I will appreciate if things happen or certain things come up that you can't have a festival on the scale that you're used to. But can't we fire up a grill, put it under a tent, and call it Broadfest? Yeah. So my <laughs> kids' baseball team does a fundraiser almost every year, just a brat fry outside the Piggly Wiggly. Broadfest. I love those. And the, it's amazing. We go right by the bug line, the number of people that sit and buy a brat in the middle of a Saturday morning. The lo- in a parking lot? The local <laughs> yes. legion. My local legion guys sell them outside the grocery store, and I, I, I'll i go just to get the brats. These guys, it's fun to talk to them, but they're like they're selling brats for, brats for a couple bucks. Right. I don't want to have to cook them on a Saturday morning when I'm moving around. That's like, damn, there's the brats. I'll go get them. I love that. Why do we Why do we always have to go to the extremes? Yeah, just I'm, just blow it out. Sorry, REO wasn't available that weekend for your music tent. <laughs> I, <but. laughs> I don't 
<laughs> that's fair. Find some local band. Vincent Ario. Find an accordion player and line them up for the Brats. Maybe Sticks is open that weekend. <laughs> right. You don't know. They could be open. Dennis DeYoung. Nine o'clock, Steve Scafidi's next on WTMJ. Meyer is transforming its famous Wienermobile into a wedding chapel for two days. In Vegas, of course, it's allowing couples to get hitched in a once-in-a-lifetime, all-expenses-paid wedding. The company is calling, wait for it, the Wienermobile of love.